BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services and in partnership with Beast OCR. Here we discuss all things OCR and fitness related, running, endurance, conditioning, wrecking, and more. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, it's Mike with BeastNet here. And on this special episode, I have with me Candice Thornton Day. Um, Candice, let us know, let everyone know a little bit about you. Okay. Uh, well, I've been doing Spartan races since 2016 and um, just recently completed my 22nd race, uh, attempted 23. And uh, I live in the uh, near Olympia area, Washington. So mm-hmm. um, originally from Montana, so I kind of claimed that area too. But um, yeah, and I've just, uh, I went from not being able to run a mile to and do push-ups to um, traveling all over the place to do these crazy races. So, so I'm here to talk Which about that. Which is amazing. So, yeah. So, and I mean, <laughs> as you mentioned in the, the, pre, the pre-talk, um, she is a member of the Beast Ambassadors um, for 2019, which is amazing. So, um, for those that don't know what that is, Beast OCR does. Every year we pick a group that we call our ambassadors, and they go out and, you know, basically represent the Beast and show why the Beast is such a great organization, um, a team, a group. I mean, a nonprofit organization there. I mean, they're, they're, they're amazing. So, um, yeah. So, so let's start off. We've had you on before. Um, it's been a while, but we've had you on before. Um, but tell us a little bit about this year. I know you've traveled a lot. Um, you've done a lot of races. Um, kind of let us know what that's been like, you know, and kind of give us an idea of what you've done this year. Yeah. So what's cool is we actually, we started, um, the year out, um, I, we, you and I talked at the beginning of the year, so it's kind of like mm-hmm. we get to do a recap how it went <laughs> comparison. Yeah. Um, so I ended up starting out going to a Vega zona, as we all know, is not actually yeah. Vegas. Um, yep. so that, that race actually, um, I had some medical problems, wasn't feeling great and my shoes were malfunctioning. They were basically holding a bunch of sand had a horrible race. Uh, it was so bad. I just was like defeated. I didn't want to continue, but I had travel plans to be in Alabama. Um, I flew into mm-hmm. Louisiana and stayed with a friend and they drove me over there and, um, and then had an epic race. That, that venue was great. Sad to see it, it go. It didn't come back this year, but, um, so I felt, okay, I, I can do this. And then I get home and I've got this email that says I qualified for the NAF. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, I, I, I didn't really run that fast, and I didn't do that well, um, but somehow I qualified for nationals. I was like, okay, you know, how often is this going to happen? It's awesome. So I went from, like, I'm going to quit, and I'm done, and when I get home, I'm not doing any more races, to, well, I guess I better see where this goes, and I better just amp up my training. And, um, yeah, so it, it was also um, Nicole that uh that talked to me in uh Vegas and she said, you know, you just gotta be thankful for what your body can do. You know, even if you can't be the best, um, you know, the fact that you can get out there and even walk a course is something to be thankful for. So I took that mentality yeah. and carried it with me going forward in the year and um man, I had so much medical problems, so many medical things, um, laparoscopic uh surgery. I just yeah, in my abdomen area, like uh, ended up having a full hysterectomy um, and then running in the nationals. 
in West Virginia just about not even two months after that hysterectomy. So, um, wow. Crazy year. Yeah. So I did Montana. Um, I did West Virginia, Portland. Portland was a fun run. Um, yeah. And then after West Virginia, man, I, I was so crushed from that. I was doing pretty good. You know, Portland made me feel really great. Um, seeing everybody out there, it's a great venue for the, the team to come together, a good local venue. Uh, Seattle, mm-hmm. Seattle, I felt great about, even though a lot of people were uh, corrupt by that. I was wearing our, our sponsor's uh, gear, GH Unders, and, mm-hmm. man, cold weather there. It, you cannot go wrong for, for race day for that year. And, uh, and so I'm out there running. I got one of my, my best times on the Seattle Super. <laughs> Despite yeah, the rain. That was a cold and wet one. In the cool. Yeah, I mean, there was like 300 hyper-producers. So, so anyway, so, you know, I'm cooking yeah. along. I hit the the West Virginia Nationals, and, um, you know, I, I wasn't – I didn't really go into it as good as I thought because of the travel, like lack of sleep and other things, other excuses. But I was like, you know, I, I know I'm not going to be in the top. That's okay. I accept that. But I'm here, and that's what's important. So yeah. I got out there, and, I mean, I'm. it's so cool. I'm like, here's the champions, like, running by, you know, like, holy cow, there's there's, yeah, there's uh, Adkins, you know, like, they're just they're training and getting ready to go run. And... And then I'm I'm standing in there in the group with the the next level of you know soon to be elites and I'm about to charge the the hill and uh, it's a really great feeling it's very scary um, <laughs> it's a really great feeling and um, you know I didn't do so well for myself even in that race but it took me uh, six hours it was 15 miles I failed 10 of the 38 obstacles and completed over 300 burpees. I lost count at 300, That's a lot of burpees. so call it 300. <laughs> yeah, I did a couple extra each time just to make sure because I was afraid I'd get DQ'd. And so I didn't qualify um, for for Tahoe, and I was just crushed. I didn't I didn't want to continue. You know, I had that kind of crappy attitude coming out of it, um, which yeah. lasted for about a day. And then, you know, I talked to some of our fellow Beast OCR members and, you know, just kind of replayed, you know, what could have been better, what I, what I did wrong and, um, you know, a lot of those things. And I just uh, realized that I needed to kind of find where where I lost the fun of it, of mm-hmm. racing. <clears throat> and so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to Tahoe anyways. Screw it. So I signed up for the Open. And that's all I was going to do. I was just going to go do the open. And then once I realized, oh, hey, I'm, I'm two more races away from getting a three-time trifecta, I was like, okay, well, I'll do that. I'll, I'll do a volunteer race. That'll pay for my, my next race. And I picked up the code. Um, you know, so I was, like, kind of lining out a couple, couple more trips, um, you know, just round out the year. I ended up, yeah. you know, continuing on Dallas and then in California. So, I mean, I went all over the place. I got to run with... Uh, Spartan 4.0. I got to run with West Coast Spartans, Lone Star, Avery's Army. It's like down the south, um, you know, and just made a lot of connections. And also got to see one of the members from um, a, a, the biggest team 
in OCR over in the Middle East that I met when I was over in Dubai, um, I got to meet up or run into them while I was out on course in, in Tahoe. So it was really cool, you know, connecting, uh, growing the family, you know, of OCR, encouraging people that were first timers. Um, I had a great time as an ambassador. You know, it was a good icebreaker to, you know, let, tell people, hey, if you need any help, like I'm right here. You know, if you, I can coach you through obstacles, like no problem, help you over walls, whatever. And um, when you're in Seattle, swing on the and say hi, you know. So yeah, that was awesome. Um, but Tahoe, Tahoe is something else. Yeah, that's uh, I've seen your posts about Tahoe and all that kind of stuff, and it really is something else. It really is. Yeah, so I, I was up there. Um, you know, a few of our, our members were there um, running in the open. Some we had a couple people running ultra. It's cool, you know. It's it's cool to see people out there. Um, and I, I'm not sure how many of us got stuck up on the mountain, but I was running the open the first day. And it was nice mm-hmm. because, you know, I've been running competitive so much and I get, I'm not a morning person, so I hate the early mornings. So I was like, yeah, I get to sleep in and <laughs> take my time. Mm-hmm. So out there on the mountain and, and the drawback of running a beast or something like a super later in the day is, you know, you're going to hit that nightfall mm-hmm. if you don't hurry it up. So I wasn't too worried about it. I started at like, I think we start time with like 11, I want to say, but mm-hmm. I was just out there to have fun. I said, I said, you know what? I did 300 damn burpees in West Virginia. All all the time when I run competitive, I honor my burpees. Um, I don't skip things. You know, I run a true race. And maybe that means I'm not as fast. And maybe that means I'm not going to rank, whatever. But I run a true race. And I hold myself accountable which is how for it that. Should be. And it, which it should be. But, I mean, even in the competitor zone, I've seen it not be. So, anyways, that's, that's me to hear. I'm not me. Um, so... I was like, you know what? I'm running in the open. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to help people over walls. I'm going to ask for help when I need it. I'm just going to take it easy and do the best I can and try every obstacle the best of my ability. Um, And I'll do as many burpees as I damn well please because I already did my share. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I ran that race and I was having a great time and got to the water obstacle and I'm standing there and I'm talking and I'm away. I was like, man, I'm watching the weather change and bright, sunny, windy as hell day, you know, so it's cold. I mean, we are definitely up in the cold mountains. And as we get further up into the mountain, you can see this dark, dark cloud coming over. And then you start to hear the strangest sound because it's so freaking cold, you know. You hear thunder. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's not right. It's not summertime. Why am I hearing this sound? (laughs) And... I keep hearing it and we get up to the water obstacle and the guy and I are talking, he's trying to talk me into going in the water. I'm like, I don't want to go in the water. I really don't want to do this. He's like, come on, you can do it. I'm like, ah. just then over the radio, they say, Hey, we got to get everybody off course. There's lightning strikes within three miles of your location. Like, oh. Holy shit. We got people in the water. We got scuba divers out there with tanks on. We've got, we've got the, the ski lift right there, you know? <laughs> yep. And we got, People running off into the, there's like a stretch where there's like a, like nobody, there's no obstacles. I call it the goat path. Um, I mean, cause it is basically like a goat trail and it, and it takes you back mm-hmm. down the mountain and that whole stretch, like these people are heading off into that. So there's a whole group of people of no clue that they're about to just be like completely at risk, you know? 
And um, so I run up and I, I, I kind of see this group. I, I let them know and uh, that we got to head to the ski lodge. So next thing I know, there's like 300 of us or something like that. Um, ultra runners and everything all stopped in the ski lodge as the storm comes in and converges on top of us and hail and sleet and all kinds of stuff come down. And it goes from sunny to it's definitely we're in a snowstorm. And um, we get held there for about two hours, no food, nothing, like no water, no bathroom. <laughs> we go outside to the porta potty. That's, that's about it. But uh, so luckily there was that. But you know what I mean? Like nothing. The whole yeah. ski lodge is shut down, no amenities. And, um, you know, so people are starting to, like, they get hungry and their metabolism is, is changing, their metabolic rate and all that stuff, you know. So, yeah, and then I start realizing we've got new beginners out on that course, and they are in tennis shoes, and they are in cotton, and it's getting dark, oh. and they don't have headlamps. Yeah. So I take my... Um, loud mouth out there to the, the car I see driving back and forth. I'm like, oh, that must be Spartan staff. So I go up to him and I'm like, hey, we have to do something. Like, we need to get out of the ski lodge. If we got to walk down a service, you know, like, as it just, I said, let's just march us all down. We'll run down the service um, roads, down to festival, let us close out, earn our medals, and be on our way. You know, yeah. I was like, give us something. Because, you, you know, I was like, you can't, they're like, well, we're thinking about open course back up. I'm like, you're telling me that you're going to open up nine more miles of course and it is three thirty, and it's, you know, like getting dark there about four thirty, and you've got new yeah. like beginners going out on course. I'm like, that's crazy. And you realize you're putting people at risk. Right. And the guy just kind of looks at me. He's like, well, you're either that, or we just, we just send everybody. We're going to bring volunteers up and load you guys up in trucks and take you back down. I'm like, you've like 300 people in there. <laughs> Like so, yeah. gonna have to find a solution here, you know. And uh, and he was like, "Okay, well, go back in and tell everybody." Um, and I'm like, "Most of most of the thing is like, there's a lot of people who worked really hard to be here, and they want to have that medal from Tahoe. So, like, what are we gonna do here?" And he's like, "Well, go back in and tell them we'll we'll be getting you out of there in 30 minutes, and um, they'll get their medals one way or the other." And I was like, "All right, cool." So I go back in and I tell everybody that you know what what they told me the options, like the whole room, everybody cheers, you know, and we're like, cool. Five minutes later, somebody comes in. They're like, okay, they're opening course back up. That's it. That's like the limit of the information. Just they're opening it back up. So, I mean, I want to say like 50 or 60 people just dropped out right then. They were like, screw you. I'm not doing it. (laughs) I'm not doing it. So, but what they didn't tell everybody was that they had cut part of the course. So all we had to do was get down the mountain hit the last section of festival and um, they had dropped out like four miles of the course. And I was like, pissed. Cause I didn't know that they had cut part of the course. So I went up to that guy, the same guy. And I was like, what the hell, man? I told you there's people who are putting themselves at risk because they're brand new and they don't know what they're doing out there. Like you're going to send them out there in the dark, you know? And he was like, no, 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 we yeah. cut the course. I'm like, Oh, that's helpful. <laughs> so anyways, so then so finished the course, uh, really cool. Right as I was finishing, uh, you know, one of our um, one of our leaders and uh, the SOCR members, uh, Lorenzo, was actually right at the finish line and uh, gave me my medal as I as I got there. So that was super awesome. That's awesome. And uh, felt pretty good. Yeah, and you know, since it was such a last minute decision to actually go to Tahoe, I I, I uh, ended up 
staying in Reno. Not a bad drive, like 45 minutes. No big deal. Yeah. So I head back to Reno, and I just, I'm like, cool, like, I'm done. I don't have another race until Dallas. You know, I'm going to go volunteer tomorrow. I'm going to watch the elites. I'm going to share everybody on. I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I'm in chill mode. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not like a super athlete. I'm an average person out there trying to be a super athlete. <laughs> so, yep. but I'm human. So I was like, I'm in Reno. I'm going to go have fun. And I, uh, you know, decided to learn how to play blackjack and drink some wine and stayed up too late. You know, all the things that you really shouldn't do before a race and, um, slept like terrible that night for some reason. And then go out there. No problem. I'm going to volunteer. No big deal. I don't, I'm not worried about it. I'm like, I'm wearing jeans. Um, I'm wearing full from the day before. I actually thought about wearing my GH under leggings, but I couldn't get them underneath my jeans. You know, and I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine. Yeah. I'm just volunteering. I'll bring my camel back as my purse. That's what I'll do. I'll wear my, I'll wear my long sleeve thermal from GH unders, you know, cause it is cold up there. Right. So I'm like, okay, layering up in these ways. Um, don't even wear my darn test stomach. I'd like some other wool socks, you know. I'm not ready at all. I'm wearing boots, you know. I roll up yeah. and it's really funny. I got the I got the um the book, uh oh gosh, I'm trying to blank all of a sudden. Um not Spartan up. Um how to be a how to be a Spartan. Um Josina's book, right? Um yeah. the founder. I brought his book with me because I actually we talk about manifestation. So I, I, I see him on Instagram and I see him talking to people at Tahoe before I even arrive there, right? And I'm like, I am going to find him and I'm going to have him sign my book, damn it. And so I Not roll awesome. in that day and I, there he is. He's out there. He's talking to people and, you know, like they're doing like interviews. I was like, all the stuff I just saw on Instagram. And I mean, I just threw my car out of the park. I didn't even care. I was like blocking traffic. Jump out of my car and like total fangirl. I'm like, oh my God, it's you. um i couldn't help it you know i mean when when i discovered spartan racing i was i was out of shape um i used to be an athlete Mm -hmm. i was i used to be a boxer track basketball all that stuff but i had lost that part of myself um i had lost my strength my body i you know and 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 the biggest thing that i'd lost because of being um being a student and being a mom with two kids. And I just was super isolated. Uh, I had lost my community. I had lost friends. I didn't live anywhere near my original community anymore. I didn't, I didn't have anyone I could connect with. And so I was very lonely and depressed. Mm-hmm. And there were some kind of bad things going on in my life at the time. Um, so, you know, I was just, I was really struggling, uh, with depression and suicidal thoughts and stuff. And, um, and then I, you know, I just, I was challenged that I wasn't strong enough to do a Spartan race. And that challenge set me on a path that I signed up for a Spartan race. I trained for two months and did one. And then I was hooked. And once I knew I could do one and knew that, you know, and then I met these other people that were amazing and had these amazing stories to share, like things they'd overcome, like back injuries, you know, um, broken back. I think it's uh, like James Lapine. He's got like a story about how he like broke his back and like overcame that and came into Spartan racing. And it's just, there's so many like amazing people out there that they have these things that they struggle with, you know, they struggle with depression or eating disorder or uh, drug addiction or, 
PTSD or something like there's like all of us have these stories out there and yep. we're not using I mean, that's what got me. why we, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I mean, that's what got me doing the podcast. I mean, part of the reason I wanted to do the podcast was because of all these stories that I've heard since I started, you know, I started in 2015. And since I've started, there's all these stories, you know, there's the story of me and Andrew on the first, first race we did the beast where both of us were ready to quit till we ran into each other and then kind of kept each other going. Um, you know, you hear stuff of Lisa Ann Lindy's story, you know, of being, you know, bigger and overweight and out of shape. And now she's just kicking ass. And, you know, there's so many people like you who talk about, you know, being an athlete and a boxer and basketball player and all these things. And then all of a sudden, you know, life gets in the way and all that stuff kind of goes away. And, you know, you get bigger, you you go out of shape. And then all of a sudden it's that, that coming back, you know, and it's amazing that Spartan and OCR has done that for so many people. So. And you know what's funny is I was going to mention when you talk about meeting Joe, I've met Joe before, and I didn't realize it. Yeah. I was oh. in 2014. <laughs> I know the first time. It was the first time I went to. I went to my very first Spartan race. I went to was Washougal. Back then, it was called the Northwest Sprint uh-huh. um, in 2014. But I was injured, and I went with some friends just to kind of see what it was like and volunteers so that I could get you know a race and do one later. But I had uh, 18 stitches in my hand, so I couldn't do anything because I couldn't get those stitches dirty. I couldn't, you know, nothing. So I'm like, okay, so I'll just volunteer. Uh-huh. Well, some guy came over and started talking to us, telling us how great we were doing. It was great having volunteers. What a great job. We're like, oh, cool. Thank you, blah, blah, blah. And he walks away after we talked to him for like five minutes. And the other guy that I'm with is like, that's Joe. You just sat there talking to Joe DeSena. And I'm like, who's Joe DeSena? <laughs> He's like, you just sat there for five minutes talking to the founder of Spartan Race and had no clue. And I'm like, that's the founder of Spartan Race? Oops. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, you know, because I was so new in it. I had no idea. I didn't, you know, I didn't even know the name yeah. Joe DeSena at that point. So, you know, now I'm looking back going, I had, you know, I had a conversation with the, the founder and had no idea. It's like, I feel stupid. <laughs> but but yeah. that's great though because it's so it's so much more like real, you know. And I mean, I don't know what I would have said differently if I had just met him and just been talking. Um, I mean, I was like, I haven't really met like a lot of like famous people in my life. Um, yeah, and so I wasn't like exactly able to be as common as I would have liked to have been. You know, I was like my. Like, no time to breathe. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I gotta get confused in here. But, um, but I did tell him. I was like, you know, this this saved my life because I was I was ready to be done. I was ready to, you know, just give up for real. And um, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, it it put me in this world with all these people. And you know, there there are some times out there, of course, where I get to see this beautiful interaction where it just restores my faith in humanity where you see strangers helping strangers. And when I saw that, it like, I, it took me to a different place. I was like, Oh my gosh. And then when people are helping me and with, with no expectation of anything in return. And I just was like, this is like a good community. This is, this gives me hope that there is some more out there for me to do and be involved in. And um, just knowing that I wasn't alone, that there were other people struggling just like me and that they had overcome, you know, it gave me like this new focus that 
hey, I can be like them, you know, I can, I can get to that next level. They did it. I can do it. And, um, I told him about Mm -hmm. that and, um, I said, you know, like I, I said, because of Spartan, I found my people. And so he wrote in my book, we are your people. (laughs) And, uh, it was really cool. Yeah. So then, uh, so then he's like, so what are you doing today? And I I told him, I'm going to volunteer. He's like, he asked if I was racing. I told him I was going to go volunteer. And I said, no, I I raced yesterday. And, uh, I was one of the people in the group that got stuck up in the ski lodge. And he goes, oh, well, you want another shot at it? And I just, I mean, it took me a second to even realize, did he just offer, like, did he just ask me if I wanted to race? <laughs> like, does, yeah. he realizes it's the world championship, right? <laughs> put this average woman out there. Anyways, so, um, yeah, I mean, like I, like I wrote in my story, you know, like all these, these reasons why, like the logical reasons um, yep. were a lot stronger in that moment. The fear was a lot stronger in that moment. Um, but, you know, and so I, and so I straight up told him like, Oh, I'm, I don't have a gear, you know, I'm like kind of gestured to what I was wearing. And he said, I'll gear you up. So this is Joe, right? He's like, he's like, no yeah. excuses, right? Excuses oh, yeah. are not no excuse guy. Hell yeah. And you know what? I love yeah. that because that's, that's kind of how I am too. Like in my job and mm-hmm. what I do for work, um, Every single time that there's like an obstacle with work, it is literally just an obstacle to me. There's, there's no, if, if we have a goal, so I do real estate. So if we have a goal of finding a house and buying a house for somebody, I'm like, I know there's going to be problems, but we are not going to stop. Like we are going to find a way to make this happen. It might take a couple of years, but we are going to get you a house. And there's no excuses except for somebody not putting in the work. And so I knew that I was totally disappointing him and you know, it's like, it was like, felt like I was letting down my cult leader, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I told him I had to volunteer, which was true. And I I don't like bailing on my commitments, you know? And so I, he kind of like dismisses me. He's like, okay, yeah. You know, I respect that. You know, like you got to volunteer. You got, you got, you made that commitment. You got to stick to it. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, um, signs the book. We do like selfie. Um, and then, and then I'm I'm out and I'm just like reeling from this. I'm like, what did I just do? I just passed up this huge opportunity. What the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> and I'm walking along and I'm like, okay, I gotta go meet these friends and you know check in and all this stuff. And as I as I run into different members of our team, um, I run into Elise and uh, Ty, and I'm telling everybody about this, and they're like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> they're like, "What? Just take the opportunity. Just go do it. Go find him. Go do it." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, and I ran into a couple more uh, new friends that I made. You know, um, Wade and Nikki. I don't. They're in our so CR, but they're like different region. And then I'm telling them, and they're like, mm-hmm. "What are you doing? Go do it!" <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you guys. Okay, fine. I'm gonna do it." So I get all pumped up, and I go to the volunteer tent. I tell them what's up, and even the volunteer people are like, "You're out of your damn mind. Go do it." <laughs> Yeah, and so it just you know so I'm like okay well now I got to find him well I could not find him he had gotten his helicopter and left I had seen the helicopter when I was parking I was like holy shit yeah but he was gone he was gone so I had to either make a choice to just you know hang my head and go back to volunteering or get the Spartan staff to get a hold of him somehow I mean I was reaching out to him through all the social media channels no response of course and so finally I get to our announcer that we always have for Seattle and, and, uh, 
Portland and a whole bunch of other areas, but specifically West Coast named John. Um, I'm sure you're yep, familiar I know with John. Him. Anyway, so, yep. yeah, so he's like, I know exactly who to connect you with. So he puts me over to uh, this woman, Cherie, and she was like, she knew instantly. She heard the whole thing. So she takes me to the merch tent. Um, freaking, what shoes do you want? I didn't even have shoes, man. So I was like, mm-hmm. are you serious? Like, this is this is really happening? She's like, yep, take out your shoes. So I'm like, I want the ultras that just came out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I knew exactly which ones I wanted because I had been uh, I'd been admiring them the day before. Um, yeah. So I get the shoes, I get the socks. I know exactly what I'm doing there. Um, we start getting help from a merch tent lady, and I'm like, hey, you know, uh, like I, I need to have something like this shirt, and I show her like the GH Unders base uh, layer shirt. I'm like, this is what I need. And I'm like, here, feel this material. I'm like, do you have something here like this? Because i got to hurry, right? They're going to put me in yeah. the race with my age group. They're going to put me in the race that I didn't qualify for, that I had wanted to qualify for. Holy crap, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's, like, no time to lose. And uh, so she's, like, hands me these these pants that are pretty thin. And I'm like, uh, do you anything thicker? And to go over it, and she hands me these, like, windbreaker shorts and i'm like are you sure this is going to be warm enough up there and she goes well this is what the elites wear i'm going gut instinct right then was like just keep shopping (laughs) just keep shopping (laughs) and i should have um that was my mistake i can't put it on her i'm sure she's never even been up on that mountain um so and i'm not an elite so if the elites are choosing to do that it's because they've got some body conditioning you know where they're used to thin material or whatever they know how to manage it. Um, they also happen to have dry bags with them. So anyways, um, <laughs> I went up there. I didn't have lunch. I had yogurt for breakfast. I had partied the night before. I had ran the race before. I, I mean, I did like nine miles of the, um, I guess, 13 it was the day before. Mm-hmm. So not in the best uh, starting position, you know, not in the um, yeah. optimal condition to be hitting that mountain. But um, there I was, man. Oh, they were, like, interviewing me and uh, getting my whole backstory and making this big deal out of it and all this stuff. And I, like, left my clothes with them, and they're going to see me at the finish line. I'm like, holy crap, like, this is this is a big deal. Like, it's, like, 15 minutes of fame stuff. And, yeah. man, it was so cool. When I was, like, at that start line, somewhere that I never, ever would have thought I was going to be four years ago if you had told me hey, you're going to be in Tahoe at the start line in the world championship in the age group wearing about $500 in gear that the founder of Spartan Racing has put on you and he's going to pay for your race. I would have died laughing. I would have been like, you are out of yeah. your damn mind. You are, what are you on? Because that is not going to happen ever. And I think that that's just like another testament in this sport. Like you just do not know where it is going to take you. If you couldn't no, even have told me don't. at the beginning of this year, you know, after Vegas, that I was going to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's just amazing. I mean, it's amazing that he's still, and that's what I love about Spartan and Joe, is the fact that he's still, I mean, I don't know what other way to say this, but human. You know, he, he still yeah. has that idea of, hey, you know, let's go do this, you know, here, here, I'm just going to give you the gear and you're going to go. And it's kind of one of those, like, like we were saying that the no excuse, 
You know, it's like, you know, one of those things from doing Spartans for a while, you know, when I was volunteering a lot more than I am now and doing the street team and all that. And I would end up with five or six races every year that I couldn't use. I'm like, I have too many races from everything I've done. So I would just sit there and ask my friends who wants to go with me. And usually that's the first excuse is they're expensive. I can't afford it. Cool. Here's a free race. What's your next excuse? You know, (laughs) come on, keep the excuses coming at me, you know. Yeah. You know, here's a free race. What's your next excuse? Oh, I'm not ready. So cool. Let's start training together and get you ready. And it's, and that's just like the attitude that Joe has. And from reading his books, cause I've read them, I, I own all of his books and I've read them is he gives you that attitude of if someone gives you an excuse, the remove the that's excuse. The yeah. The Spartan way. Yeah. If someone gives you excuse, yeah, remove it. it. You know, if you, yeah. if you have an excuse, remove that excuse and then tell me why you can't do it. You know? He's like, every reason you're going to tell me is going to be an excuse. So just remove the excuse and do it. So it's like, and that's kind of the way I've tried to do mm-hmm. most things that I do. So, you know, the only time legitimately for me is if it's a medical, like, you know, when I didn't do Montana this year, cause I had surgery literally two days before the race. So it's like, yeah, I probably yeah. shouldn't be up there rolling around in the mud with an open gut wound. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. so, you <laughs> know, other than that, yeah. for me, I mean, it was like Hawaii. I, for every part of my body, every part of my being was telling me, you're not doing the sprint. You are destroyed. They're like, you know, my brain, it's like your feet are bleeding. Your body is wrecked and you want to go out and do a third race. And every part of me is like, no, but Nick, Nick Thompson was just like, come on, let's go get our packet. And I'm like, okay. Sounds good. And it's just like, by the time all of a sudden my brain's like, you've been saying no, but you're, now you're in the start line and you started. So it's too late now, buddy. You know, it's like, Oh, whoops. How did I do this? You know? And that's just it. You know, yeah, if you're, you're given an excuse, find a reason. Mm-hmm. Just make that excuse go away yeah. and do it anyway. So, Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And do it anyway, even if it's not going to be the greatest, um, and it's going to no. suck, you know? And yeah, I, I think that like, you know, there's quite a few messages that I that I I hope to get to Joe about this. First of all, I don't know if he even knows that I did the race. I hope that he finds out that I did, um, even though the outcome wasn't what I had hoped. Um, I'm finding forgiveness for myself in that. You know, uh, you know, I just I just want like I want him to know that I did overcome those excuses and and I went ahead and did it, even mm-hmm. though I knew it wasn't the smartest thing to do. <laughs> um, I didn't use any of those reasons to stop me from trying to give it my all. And um, the staff was awesome. They were like so supportive about it. They were like, you know, like, this is amazing that you're going to do this. I can't believe, you know, like you did this race yesterday. And, you know, we just think like you're a total badass just for going out there and doing it. Um, but you got to do the water cause you can't come to Tahoe and not do the water, especially since you didn't get to do it yesterday. And I was like, okay, I promise. And I just read the, yeah. you know, the first part of the Spartan way where he's like talking about the monks where they went on their, um, their, that really long trek. And if they failed, they had to take their own life, right? So they had the, the knife yeah. and the dagger or sorry, the rope and the dagger. Um, and, uh, and, uh, anyway, so I think I put knife and dagger and I gotta change that. Anyway, so. They had the rope and the dagger, and so it was like they either had the one way or another they had to take their life, basically, if they if they failed. There was no option yeah. but to continue on. And that was, like, the attitude I had. I'd just been reading that, and I was like, I'm going to take that attitude into this race. Like, 
100%. And, and so I like actually did pretty good for myself. I ran up that hill. I stayed with the, the front of the pack. Um, and then my legs, as soon as I started hitting the incline, it, my legs were like, oh, hell no. We did this yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was like, it's okay. You know, they're all passing me. Like, I'll just kind of like step to the side for a second. Let these, let these people that are here to compete, get, get their competition on and not be impeding them a little bit. Let them pass. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not here to, I wasn't, that was the thing. I wasn't allowed to actually be a competitor. Um, so I wasn't there to compete. I was just there to complete. And yeah. I just, and then I got up there and like things that were hard for me the day before or, or had been at other races, I was crushing it. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. Like I'm doing even better today. Um, was having a great time. I was just happy to be around all these champion people. And, you know, even doing my burpees, I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> don't care. I'm honoring all my burpees today. I didn't do so well, you know, the last time, but I'm going to do it today. And I'm feeling great. Like I hit the sandbag and like, literally there's all these people, like there's people crying. There's people that are like, literally like there was at least two people sobbing on the hill. Um, yeah. And I'm just like, cool. I practice this all the time. I do uh farmer carries uh, with the plate, the, the plates when I go up the stairs at mm-hmm. the gym and I just do them like, Oh my, Oh my God. Like all the time. I'm just constantly hitting that, you know, just carrying the weight, carrying the weight farmer carries. And so I'm like, this is my jam right here. I'm built for pack horse work. So um, I made it like jogging down with two sandbags flung over my shoulders down to the bottom where you turn to go back up before I lost my sandbag. And then I had to farmer carry them the rest of the way. And I felt great about it, you know, passing these other people, seeing all of the discarded sandbags, like, hey, yeah, these are people who quit and I'm not even going to quit. Like, I'm doing this. I'm pumped. I get to the swim, the same place that I had been stopped before, you know, the day before. Mm -hmm. And, like, this is the turning point, you know. It's cold up there. It's 28 degrees. And they had to tell yeah. me that. I was like, thanks. 20-mile-an-hour gusts. Thanks for letting me know. And 28 degrees. Yeah, right. That made it easier. <laughs> um, so I don't really mind the cold. I'm from Montana. Um, my brother and I used to we used to play these. Um, and I'm Norwegian, so I'm like, I'm made for this, right? Um, but, you know, uh, maybe not. But my brother and I used to play this game. When we lived on the lake, Flathead Lake, um, and we would test to see who could stay in the water the longest when it's cold. And uh, one March, we were out there, and my brother is like, you know, whoever can stay in the, the water for a minute in March with ice in the water, mind you, um, wins. I don't even remember what I won, yeah. except for I was going to beat my brother. So, you know, that's what's important, right? That's, that's all you need to win is beat your brother. I know that one. I don't know where the mom, I don't even know that where our parents were, you know. <laughs> born in the 80s, what can I say? <laughs> I'm the that. same way. So, I was born the end of the 70s, so I know the latchkey kid that, you know, there's a lot of stories I have in right? my head. I'm like, where where, where were my parents while I was where doing were this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I get out of the water after winning, and my toes are like purple <laughs> and they have never been the same since. Um, they're very sensitive to cold and they cramp up 
when I'm in cold water. And I mean, like even summertime cold water will make my toes cramp up. Well, I also have this foot injury where I had had a piece of glass go through and, and cut my foot basically almost in half. And I was told I could never run again. I could never dance, all this other stuff that I overcame already. So I was like thinking about this in my head because when that cramped, what happens is I I get a cramp from that and then it goes to my calf cramp, which in my very first Spartan race, I tore my calf because of this issue, right? So I'm thinking, great, now I'm going to have toes cramping, which is going to cause calf cramping, which is going to start pulling on my knees, which is going to either cause a tear in one of my calves or, you know, like all this is going through my head. And I'm like watching these people come out of the water. There was a group of them. Some of them are, as I described in my story, you know, they're like huddled up with the medics walking back to the ski lodge. And um, I think there was an ambulance there. So it's like all these people in front of me that are failing it. They're failing the obstacle. There's people who are literally quitting. They're like, nah, I'm just going to, you can hear some headband. (laughs) I'm going to walk down. I'm done. Um, Yeah. And so it wasn't really like all that inspiring, you know, and this woman comes out and of the water, she just got done swimming and she like, she can't even stand up straight. She's in a full on like old lady crouch and she is screaming bloody murder at the top of her lungs. And I think I want to say it's because like maybe her body fat percentage was so low. It just hit her a lot faster or something. I'm not sure. Um, but that was intimidating. Yeah, and I'm going, so. okay, I don't have a dry bag. How am I going to do this? I had picked up some plastic baggies, stuffed as much as I could in them. And, um, yeah, and all these people, you know, you got the scuba divers. You got the um, uh, Spartan volunteers. I don't know. I think there might have been a Spartan staff there. I'm not sure. But they're all kind of staring at me. <laughs> you know? It's my turn. Yeah. Like, you going to do this? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was like that moment I, I had to decide, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, I, I can just say I quit now and I'll just go back down this mountain and give them back all of the merchandise and be like, you can keep it. And, and then, you know, we'll just pretend like this never happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then I thought, you know what? No, I can quit after I've at least tried it. So I can at least say that I did it, like that I tried it. And I made that deal yeah. with myself. I was like, you know what? It's okay, Candace. If you want to quit when you get out of that water, you at least tried it. That's it. So yeah. that was the deal I made with myself. And I thought about my brother, and I thought about that dare that he made. And I thought, boy, if he could see me now. <laughs> and uh, and then, I don't know, they just, um, when they saw that I was going to go for it, they all started cheering, you know. And this woman, she says to me, she's like, um, she goes, you just get out of that water, you haul ass uphill, and you just book it. Like, <laughs> it's just like you just keep moving. And, and uh, yeah, basically, I mean, I can barely hear her. She's so bundled up. They're all bundled up. They're hilarious. They're, like, so bundled yeah. up. And I'm over here, like, stripped down, you know, took the coat off, all that stuff. I'm, like, already shivering. And, yeah, that was insane. When I freaking hit that water, I I literally felt like, I don't know. Like I went into another dimension. It was like I crossed over a portal or something. It was a totally different reality. And the rest of my world changed from that moment on. It was insane. So I almost, uh, you know, I, I was trying like hell, um, to swim and it was like just forcing my body to forcing my mind to, 
mind over matter. And um, I'm so difficult. I've never had so much difficulty swimming. <laughs> like It just felt like the longest time I've ever been in water. It felt like it went on for 20 mm-hmm. minutes. Like it was never going to end. And, and then I booked it up the hill, just like she said, you know, like next thing you know. And I was doing pretty good after afterwards. I was like, holy crap. I mean, I couldn't feel, but like I got down the trail a couple miles and out of the extreme wind gust a little bit. And I was, I was, I was okay. I was feeling all right. You know, I even stopped and took a picture. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. You know, um, and then, and then I got really focused and I was like, I was feeling so good that I felt like I'm going to fucking finish this thing. I just did the worst thing you can do on this whole course. There's nothing that is as bad as what I just did. Like, I'm good. I'm going to finish this thing. And then as I got to the bottom of the hill, like everything started to fall apart. It was my body really. Um, my legs started to freeze up and I reached down to like touch them, kind of like rub them, massage them. And it felt like I touched two frozen, like ice cold rocks. And I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> Tried to adjust my shoes. They were, my feet were frozen, solid, like ice blocks. Um, and I was just like trying to move my legs. The, my upper body was pretty warm. Um, I had GH unders on. I had, uh, I had another layer of um, gear that they had given me, shirt and, and stuff. And uh, I had a jacket that they had given me. And then I had used one of the emergency blankets to wrap around my body and put that underneath the jacket. So my upper body was doing just fine. I had gloves on and stuff that I kept dry um, in, in one of the baggies and stuff. And um, But my, my lower body was done, you know, and it was just seizing up. And when I collapsed at the wall after I tried it for like three times, um, I didn't even, it wasn't like I just was like, oh, I'm just going to sit down, you know. It wasn't like I, I just was going to take a break. It was like... My body just said, nope, no more. Yeah. You're finished. And um, it was it was devastating. It was so frustrating because I my heart was there, you know? My mind was there. Yeah. And I had been doing so well on the obstacles, you know? I mean, when I, when I went through and I crushed the monkey bars at the top of this hill, this mountain up there, and it's freezing cold, those monkey bars were just like ice and... They're like, your hands yeah, are sure. sweaty and they're almost kind of stick to the freaking bar, you know, and the wind is gusting against you. And then the drop down from the monkey bars was really high. It was, it was ridiculously high. I felt like we were up like, I don't know, 15 feet or something. Um, so, you know, and I beat it. I was like, yeah. So like there were things that I had done that just, I felt so good about it. And um, yeah, just uh, to be taken out like that, you know, just like against my will. <laughs> yeah, it, it really, it really hurt, and I, and I cried. And then, you know, this volunteer, she's just like, "Oh my God, are you okay?" And I didn't know this part. She, you know, we've we've connected afterwards, and she told me that there was people just like going past us that were just like, she said they were just like in a daze. They didn't even walk, like go to the wall. They just walked past, and she's like, "Can you help me with her?" And they were like. Uh, and they just kept going and she's like and then we were there a really long time just the two of us she's radioing radioing I can't talk she uh (laughs) she calls for help and to the medics and they're like we can't even get to you we've got so many people coming off the mountain um and uh I don't know it was weird like I couldn't talk I couldn't move I couldn't even let her know like I can hear you you know, and she's just, she's like trying to talk to me. She's trying to get me to move. She's trying to get me to stay awake. 
Um, and I just, I was totally at peace with it. I was like, okay, I guess, you know, this is the end. And I was completely relaxed about it. This bizarre feeling. And, uh, so, yeah. yeah. Hypothermia. That was hypothermia. Yeah. Full on hypothermia. Yeah. Because that's, that's Full what on. you hear. Like literally. Like I, I've taken, you know, so many classes on, you know, first aid, CPR, and talking about hypothermia and cold weather injuries and all that stuff. And that's exactly what you hear from people with hypothermia that like pretty much always almost die. Like they freeze and then at some point they like, they're okay with it. They go into this mm-hmm. like their body cold freezes and they start like everything starts slowing down and they're like, yeah, this is, I'm fine with this. It's okay. So, yep. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's full on hypothermia. Yeah. And it was, it was um, yeah. it, 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 I think the, the only thing she literally saved me because she, she got, there were some people that came along and um, you know, they, they forcefully lifted me up forcing, you know, which just the weight of my body, my leg dropped and they kind of were like dragging me. And then they were like lifting my leg one at a time to get me there kind of thing. Um, to this truck that mm-hmm. was nearby, and I've talked to uh, my doctor and several medical professionals, and they've all said the same thing. And I'm like, if you would have been on the ground another 15 minutes, if even even the EMTs that that evening, they told me, yeah, she saved your life because um, you, you only had maybe another 10 or 15 minutes, and you were going to be dead, yeah. and um, of being on the ground, she wouldn't have got me out of out of that cold. And into the truck that was nearby, um, yeah, I definitely wouldn't be talking to you right now. And yeah. she didn't have anything that she could help me with. She had one one of those warm packs that she had brought with. Um, she didn't have any emergency blankets. She didn't even know for sure what she should do. It turns out you should put a hot pack on someone's uh, back of someone's neck in order to keep the brain stem warm. Yep. Um, and underneath their armpits, uh, key areas and like in that. their, so, their groin. Armpits, groin, groin, back of the neck. Yeah. But she didn't know any of this. She didn't know what to do. She was just like, all she knew was she could use her body to protect me from the wind and she could cover me with her coat and, and huddle over me and protect me. And she literally stayed with me like that and kept radioing. I cannot say that word today. Kept calling for help and, um, you know, getting the, well, we've got others. We're on our way, you know. And she was, yeah. she was telling him, she's like, she's unresponsive. I can't feel her pulse. She doesn't seem to be breathing. <laughs> and they're just like, we're on our way. So, uh, yeah. And they even, at one point, one of them drove past and they were like, oh, sorry, we're full with their little uh, vehicle. And they just kept going. Um, you think they'd at least stop just to and check I, I, and say, okay, let's make, let's do a triage. No. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't even a medic. Well, she had me in the truck at that point. Um, and they were okay. like, oh, well, she's in the truck. She's still. <clears throat> but I still needed to get to medical treatment. Um, yeah. The the medics told me the only reason that they didn't take me to the hospital <clears throat> later when I finally could ask some, bro- ask some broken questions. Um, like, I couldn't even put together a sentence properly for, like, a little bit. But, uh they told me that they couldn't, they didn't want to leave because the hospital was so far away. They were worried to leave all the other, they didn't know if there was going to be another case as bad as mine. Yeah. And it's, and that's scary. I mean, it's one of those things. <laughs> it is scary, but I mean, the thing is too, is I mean, when you're dealing with hypothermia, all the hospital is going to do at that point is warm you up anyway. I mean, as long as you're breathing mm-hmm. and alive, 
pretty much all they're going to do is warm you up and then check to make sure that you didn't freeze anything bad enough to cause damage. So, I mean, it's kind of, you know, so, I mean, I could see that point. I mean, if it was life-threatening at that point, you probably weren't life-threatening anymore. So, but it's still, I mean, that's scary. I mean, to go as far as you did and I mean, but you didn't give up. I mean, that's one thing like, you know, when I first read your story and I'm like listening to you tell it, like really makes my belief of what I, I first thought after I read it was you pushed yourself to the limit and beyond. You know, there is no way that anybody, I can almost tell, guarantee you that Joe would be proud of you, that anybody would, that you, you didn't quit until your body was like, you're going to die. <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> I mean, really, that that's what it comes down to is you 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 kept pushing yourself until your body was like, yeah, you're going to die. So we're just going to stop working right now. So, I mean, it's that that's that's a testament to willpower there. I mean, you pushed. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know yeah. how anybody could not be proud of how hard you pushed and tried to do. So, I mean, you didn't have the right gear. I mean. You said in the beginning, and that's one thing, that's one of the big arguments I have with people about Seattle all the time, is yes, it's cold, rainy, and nasty, but we know it's going to be cold, wet, and rainy, and nasty. Get the right gear. So, I mean, yep. you, you know, you didn't have the right bottom gear. And, I mean, you know, that that's what it comes down to. Your legs are a huge part of your blood flow and everything else. And if you start losing blood flow from your legs because they're frozen, not cold, and then the blood that's running through your legs and back up to your body is cold and it's cooling down the rest of your body. That's why they say to put the hot packs on the back of your neck and your armpits and your, your groin mm-hmm. is to heat up the blood. Those are the major blood vessels. And it'll heat up the blood as it's going through your body. And if you can heat up the blood, you can heat up the body. So, cause the body mm-hmm. goes, the blood yeah. goes everywhere. So that's the whole thing. So your legs being that cold is going to move that cold blood through your body. And yeah, I mean, you basically, you went until your body was like, yeah, you're going to die. So we're going to stop right here. We're done. <laughs> so, I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm proud that you yeah, pushed that far. I'm no. proud of you for that. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Thanks Mike. I appreciate that. I've uh, I've definitely come to terms with it. It was uh, it was crushing. I, I had several times where I, I sobbed from the loss of not being able to complete and be a finish, and and then you know just like the insult that they were like, oh okay, well you failed, so bye. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, they didn't they didn't check on me after like make sure I made it home or you know like did I. It just that was kind of insulting to me. I mean, I know that a lot of cases and stuff, but it, it wasn't like like I felt like my my story or my situation was a little bit unique, and that there was the Spartan themselves that might have had a little skin in the game there, and maybe they should have followed up. And then when I found out, you know, when talking to Stephanie, it was the volunteer that saved me. Um, you know, she was uh, she was kind enough to make sure she got some sort of contact information about me. Um, when I was finally able to like say simple words, I was in the truck, warmed up a little bit and she gets asking me like, what's your name? (laughs) And are you warmer now? You know, I could say yes or no. And, um, she was like trying to get me to talk and I was like, you talk. (laughs) It was like, I can't, right. (laughs) And, uh, so she followed up through live, you know, afterwards. And I thought, gosh, you know, this is, this is really cool of her. And, um, so we've become good friends and got to run together, as I mentioned. And, um, you know, just knowing that, like, they didn't prepare their volunteers. They didn't prepare. Uh, we know it's going to be cold, so we wear the gear, right? 
um, us experienced racers anyways, our newbies, I think we need to stop them at the gate. They need to stop them at the door and say, okay, show show us your gear. We want to know you're prepared before you go out there. Um, but anyways, they do, they send it out. The information's on the website, but what my point is, yeah. like, we, we do our best to bring our gear, but they also, on the flip side of it, I think need to be prepared um, that if there's inclement weather, um, you know, they know that there's going to be hypothermia cases. They know they're putting people in a situation where you either DQ or you do the water and you run down the mountain. There's a good chance you're going to end up with hypothermia. Um, you know, where is Spartan being prepared for that? And they're not. Um, where was the emergency yeah. blanket? Where was the heat pack? Where was the... Tell her to put a heat pack on the back of my neck and be careful not to burn me with it. You know, where was the uh, the training for her um, so that she wouldn't feel helpless in that situation? She did great with no training, no knowledge of hypothermia. She did. She, her instincts kicked over, kicked in, and, and um, she did great. So um, it's pretty awesome to hear. She said she's going to go get EMT training now and felt like connected with her purpose. Um, so stoked about that. Um, I'm just hoping that, you know, we see a little bit more accountability from Spartan going forward. Um, you know, like if I'm going to learn from this experience and I'm going to make sure, damn sure that I don't run a single race without wearing my GH under base layer. Cause yeah. for real, if I'd have had those legs on my legs, I'd have been fine. I was fine the day before it wasn't even cold. I didn't even have a jacket on, Yeah, you know, and it was, it was like only five degrees warmer. So you know, I'm going to make my effort. I'm going to up my training. I'm going to prepare my body. I'm going to do the best to be in a good health and eat right and things like that when I go out there. You know, I learn from this, but, you know, it's like, hey, Spartan, you guys learn from this too. We got Seattle coming up. You guys moved it into an yeah. even colder week. Um, what are you doing to prepare for that? Are you increasing your ambulance? Are you adding um, training to your volunteers? Are you you know, going to have more heat blankets. Can we have a raging bonfire, please? <laughs> That'd be awesome. I'm just saying. We need to do that to be a team camp. with raging bonfires. <laughs> yes. That would be amazing. I'm like, 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 let's make that a thing. Uh, we had that in Montana this last year, and it was like, yeah, this is Montana. Like, I'm from Montana. This is what we do. Everyone's standing around the bonfire yeah. with their beers after the race. I'm like, yeah, this is right. This is this is what we should be doing in Seattle, man. Especially with all that cold rain. Yeah, it should. So it gets cold. I mean, that's, that's one thing I'm doing. The that. <laughs> I was gonna say I, I'm working on. I, I don't know if you know the the Beast Aid program, which is a first aid program that's based on kind of a wilderness first aid um, that I've been working on. That I'm going to be hopefully rolling out to the Beast. The first class is supposed to be December eighth, I think. Um, in Fife, and we're going to actually, I'm going to do the beta test of that class, and one of the big things in that class is cold weather and hot weather. How do you deal with someone who is having, is hyperthermic or somebody who's, you know, gone into heat, heat exhaustion, stroke. you know, they are heat stroke. So both attack. of those. Yep. So all of that yeah. kind of stuff, and that's kind of what the, the whole program, it's based off the, the Boy Scouts the one that they use for the Boy Scouts yeah. is a two-day program, and I based it off of that program but have, like, whittled it down so it'll be, like, six to eight hours because what do we do as a group? We do Spartan races. We hike. You know, we're out in the woods. We're mm-hmm. doing stuff like that. What's going to mm-hmm. happen if something happens in the woods? How do I take care of this person, and how do I get them back to safety? And that's what the whole program is going to be based off of. So, 
it's a so stories like yours just tell me more and just tell me more and more that this program's needed because if that person had been taught by Spartan or by whoever, or, you know, if it, there was another beast member with you, they would know what to do. Like, Hey, we need a hot pack to put, you know, here, 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 and here. We need all of this. Yeah. And we would, they would know how to take care of you. And that's kind of the, you know, mm-hmm. the big thing with this program that I'm working on is trying to make sure we all, we all come out of these races alive. I mean, Mm-hmm. I don't know what other better way to say that is just we all come out of it alive. I want to make sure everyone makes it. So, yeah. yeah. I think that's fantastic. And I've been, it's funny, I've, because of my own injuries and stuff, I've, I've oftentimes, uh, you know, found people on the trail uh, during a race that are struggling with something and been able to give them some sort of a way to get through, you know, like with the cramping, like there's, mm-hmm. there's things you can do that people don't realize you can grab like a rock and help push on to, you know, have someone push that ramp and help release it. Mm-hmm. So you don't end up tearing. And, you know, like yeah. that day with the, the, the first day of the Tahoe with the ski lodge thing. And I got that group. I told you about, well, they had a guy in the group that was limping. I said, what's going on? And he's telling me it's his foot. And so I'm like, okay. Or he told me his leg and his foot. Anyways, the part that I left out was um, I started checking him out when we're in the ski lodge, like, Hey, you know what? Why don't I take a look at this? See if I can help you with it since we're not doing anything. And turns out the guy broke his foot and he was going to finish that Mm -hmm. mountain (laughs) with a broken foot, but he didn't know it was broken. And as we're sitting there and I'm like, I'm kind of testing it out and I'm looking at it and I've picked up these different skills. Like I thought I had broken my foot earlier this year. So I learned some things from the doctor's. And I implemented the things they told me to look for. And I was able to convey to a medic that this is an person's foot. And he was like, yeah, that sounds like a break. You know how they can't, like, actually help you or you're DQ'd. So I was trying to act yeah. as, like, an intermediary between the two until we determined that, yeah, it was probably broken. And then um, I showed the medic a picture. I'm like, here's a picture of somebody's random foot. What do you think? <laughs> and yeah. uh, he was like, that's broken <laughs> or at least fractured. And if they continue to run on it, it's going to be really bad. They can end up with a spiral fracture and all this stuff. So he goes over and takes a look at that point after I told the guy, I was like, hey, a medic thinks it might be really broken. And sure enough. um, And so I feel like having, having kind of like, I don't know, medic trail, trail medic ambassadors or something like that, maybe really something cool. Um, you know, like we can maybe get like a patch or something, like add that kind of that's what we're, badge of honor. That's what we're working on. Yeah. That yeah, is getting like a awesome beast aid thing. patch so that we can have more right? people that are like, Hey, you know, if something happens, Hey, I've been, you know, trained and, you know, it'll have, and it even is the ashy training, the first aid, you know, and the CPR part of it. So you would still get your two year mm-hmm. ashy first aid CPR card. And then on top of that, you get the, oh, the mm-hmm. added, you know, wilderness part. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a cool little, cool little thing I've been well, working on. So hopefully the, the oh yeah, I'm in. So I'll send you the info on it. Um, <laughs> I'm in, and I'm, I'm gonna sign up my uh, my my person Stephanie who who uh, saved me because I think I think that'd be perfect for her as well. So oh yeah, that sounds this. awesome. Right on. So we're we're definitely over the one hour mark that we try and stick to. So. Um, is there anything else you want to tell the listeners? I mean, this has been an amazing story. And I mean, like I said, I mean, I am so proud of you for pushing yourself to that limit. A little scared too on the same side that it's like, yeah, you push yourself a little far, but I mean, 
you should be proud of how your willpower to push. So, but anything but else you want to tell everyone? <laughs> Pretty much, that's it. Close, you almost yeah. did, but you didn't. So. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, you know, I just think that, like, uh, first of all, get some good gear. Like I've mentioned, um, when you're going to hit any race, any race, doesn't matter hot or cold, make sure you got good gear. It's totally worth the investment. Um, and you can use it out there for trail runs and training. So just make that investment in yourself. And, uh, and, and second of all, like just, you don't know what you can't do and what you can do until you actually just go do it. So yep. like we talked about, like, set aside the excuses or like, you know what, write down the excuses and then write down how you're going to go because there's something amazing waiting for you on the other side of that adversity and on the other side of that wall. So, you know, I just, I want people to feel inspired that this isn't a story about like the dangers of Spartan racing, you know, the why you shouldn't do it and you might die. You know, this is a story about like, not knowing if you can do something and just fucking doing it anyways to find out what you're made of. Yeah. And that's what we should all start for in our lives and like every aspect from career to family to athletics. So yeah. And hit me up. Just Message me if you need any pep talk. I'm here. <laughs> all right. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Candace. It's always a joy talking to you. So um, hope to see you soon. And thank you again. Mike, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you again soon, and um, I appreciate it. And, I, and this has been a, a great honor always to, to share my story. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. All right. Have a good day. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Happy Thanksgiving. Right. Bye. Like what you hear? Make sure and subscribe and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're using YouTube, please click the little red subscribe icon, then click the little bell for notifications of future episodes. And if you could, give us a thumbs up. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet Podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook. Like and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. This show is brought to you by James Safety Services in partnership with Beast OCR. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you like to hear. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or at BeastOCR.com.